Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, trees and non-binaries, for an exciting episode of the Hostile Takeover. Myself, Adam Ray, co-founder here on Fantastic Universes, talking about my favourite games with my favourite friends. And it's a special time of the year, because as card game players, new cards come to everyone very regularly at quarter times of the year, and Guardians of the Ancient expansion to Legends of Runeterra has officially hit and we'll be going live tomorrow as of the time of the recording, but we have all of the cards and I can't think of anybody better to talk about them with than my good pal, Will, my good friend. How are you? Oh, dude. Uh, yeah, yeah, very good, thanks. Um, I have seen nothing of this, but you seem very excited, so yeah. I'm excited to see some of this. We've got the sort of format down where I will fangirl like a tiny child about all of the new cards and all of the possibilities, and we've been quite prophetic on our podcasters as of late because i was able to see the writing on the wall with the watcher plus uh spectral matron i was able to see the writing with current timelines plus bedros into the dreadway so i i'm probably above average at assessing cards so i think i can hopefully wrangle your way back into legends of runeterra goodness with all of these new things <laughs> indeed so with a smaller expansion, with the way that they do their card releases, is that they put out a big expansion with a new region, multiple champions for that region, and established regions, and then cards for every region. And they do smaller expansions following that. This is one of the, f the first of the two smaller expansions where we're only going to get three champions, one for the new region of Shurima, and then one for Ionia, and one for Targon. Honestly, some of my favourite regions, but uh, they've been able to represent things quite well. The spread of cards that have been put into the other sets are very versatile and can go into just about anything. And this is almost exactly what I want, the card expansion. Nothing horrendously broken that could like tip the balance of the metagame in a wedge way, but enough new tools and tricks of the trade that could make anything exciting. What do you, what do you, how do you feel about new cards coming into a game like this one? Yeah, it's always nice when new cards come in and it can make a new deck so much more powerful, which had never really been the meta, so that's always nice. Yeah, definitely, and that's somewhat a thing that was usually happen with Legends of Runeterra because they split their card sets up so much. You do feel like there are incomplete decks when the new cards come through, but getting them drip by drip, you start to see, oh yes, there's more synergy for Predict and for Countdown, there's Stuff that makes random Ionia epics good. Uh, I didn't even know this this region needed this kind of card, but sorely needed. But yeah, they've been able to put a lot of thought into this. So with these little expansions, they have a focus on the champion and a bunch of cards around that champion and then some smaller cards. So let's talk champions, shall we? Will, Ancient Wizard, uh, Warrior Mage, <laughs> or Enormous Stone Elemental? How to choose? Let's go with the Stone Elemental first of all, I think. I'll fight and the Targon cards. A 7 mana 6 10 with tough. He is the thickest lad. He is. <laughs> he is. He, his booty be popping, to quote an old magic term. <laughs> <laughs> Please never call a card the, the thickest lad again. <laughs> Shut up, you're my real dad. 
<laughs> but in all seriousness, this boy uh, levels up by summoning t- by summoning twelve manas worth of landmarks, and he levels up what in the wings. What would you say? What do you make of this as a way to close out the landmark deck? Yeah, I think landmark decks always need more stuff because until recently they haven't really been a thing. So extra tools for that sort of deck is always very welcome. Um, I'm not completely sold on him yet. So where can you see him being played? Well, the obvious thing and the one that made it into the preview video and speaking of the preview video, uh, a moment of silence for Chip, the goodest boy who died in the preview video far too soon. The little stony boy who's just got the entire player base just in love because he's so goddamn cute that you can't even be mad at him. But, <laughs> but I, much like a very attractive str- streamer, ride real tears when he died in that video. So I'm just like, yes, he must be protected. But yep, Malphite, in all seriousness, is the finisher in the Sh- Sharima-based landmark deck. You play him with Talia so that you can get two lots of a given landmark to go towards his 12 plus mana of landmarks. So play him so that you can stun their team so that your, your rock bears, your chips, your earth elementals can all get in without being done because once he levels up, he creates something that stuns the enemy team every single round when it's your turn to attack. And he defends so well with a, as a 7 mana 6, 10 with tough that while you're losing tempo by committing to the board with Lamox, you're still able to defend very effectively. Yeah, and the stun all just seems so good. It really does. For two mana, it's uh, it's actually akin to his power in League of Legends. I think it's actually the same name, Unstoppable Force. Just to stun their whole team, sure, it's a slow spell, so you pass back priority, but they get to make one blocker, and you have a 7-11 with tough and a rest of team, and probably a Talia that's going to be flinging rocks everywhere. So it does add up to a very scary attack. Yeah, they're going to have a hard time surviving that, I think. With that said, though, I personally am more excited to pair him with Ionia for my bay, the sexiest ninja out there, Yasuo. Why? That seems kind of overkill, to be honest. It is, but as we saw in the preview video, they they paired him against a rival Targon deck with two Celestials that had Spell Shield and the stuns meant nothing. If you're able to pair him with Ionia's Disruption, as well as stun synergy to be able to get Yeso in as a win condition, you can really get the early game covered while you're sacrificing tempo playing other landmarks. Okay. Another thing that goes really well in that deck is the 5 mana landmark, I have the Raharak, because even though it's 5 mana, it counts as 10 mana's worth of landmark if it's the first thing you play because you summon a copy of it, but that copy will still have 5 mana's value go towards the Malphite level up. Oh. Oh, that's interesting. You play that, it copies itself, that's five-sixths of the Malphite level up covered, and on the next turn, you're stunning two guys, which covers two-fifths of Yasuo's level up, and then and then again, after the copy counts down, you stun two guys again. Yeah, that does seem quite good. You're effectively nuking their board quite effectively and quite quickly, and you pair that with Ground Slam, a fast-speed stun that also deals damage, if you're playing this with a uh, level 1 Yasuo, you're dealing 5 to something as always leveled up. But if you're playing this with a you know, level 2 Yasuo, you're dealing 8 to something, which you probably nuke next to anything. Yeah. Yeah, that would kill most things, wouldn't it? It really would. The 
possibilities for Malfoy Yasuo's stunt. And I also feel like they're actually good pals in League of Legends. I feel like the, there's a sort of synergy there if you play them on a team. But still, I feel like there's enough synergy here for Landmark's stun to really get away with a strong note. Okay, cool. The extra addition of the Solaris Sunhawk there just to be a two-mana guy that stuns the strong thing to fog their attack early just to stun them or to fog their attack late when you're behind is also a good inclusion for it. I'm very excited for the action, for the Yasuo Malphite deck. The one that's <laughs> clearest in my head, which is probably what I'm going to lead with first going into the new season. Oh, I can see Chip now. He's adorable. He is adorable, isn't he? Just a little stony boy. On his full art, there's actually a little trail of other chips just wandering along the side of the mountain. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's cute. And he's going to be one of the mascots that you can... A4 in the store, which I've been told by Sandy that I have to get. I agree. I agree. Yep. I will get him and he'll go on all the Malphite decks and all the Landmark Synergy decks. Because Chip as a card, he's cute and he's functional and a good role player, but I, um, I'm sad to say that he may not make the cut for a lot of Landmark decks. Yeah. Well, what one cost card are you actually going to play, though? Uh, Ancient Preparations. Or Ancient Preparations <laughs> in the Shurima decks. Or you bank the spell mana in the Ionia decks because having the spell mana is really good because you're playing Ionia. Okay, yeah, fair enough. But Chip will live on in our hearts and he will be cheering us on from the sidelines whenever we represent his Stone Daddy or any other landmark deck. Okay, I'm adding Stone Daddy to the band words as well. <laughs> I don't know, I was aware that you were swinging the band hammer here. Runeterra doesn't do bands, they love cards. Oh, dear. Honourable mentions of the new landmarks. Uh, some of them could be quite good. Spiral Stairs, just to give you guys overwhelms, decent. Uh, Stonebreaker and Earth Elemental could be good role players, but I see them probably being more useful in Expedition than Constructed. But then again, they are powerhouses in Expedition. Mm. Oh, yeah, always. Raft up Malphite with also landmarks. Try and pick those guys quite effectively for your uh, mid to late game curves. Tog uncovered. We, I present the choice back to you again. Blade, Dancer, Lady, or... Time wizard. Um, should we have a go at Blade Dancing Lady next? She is hot off the presses. Uh, as of the time of the recording of this, uh, her reveal video came out three hours ago, and many brews and many uh, speculative builds have already been done with Irelia. She is incredibly flexible, and I honestly kind of nutty, but we have much to say about this young lady. Um, what were your first thoughts? The level up seems very interesting to me. That could be paired with quite a few champions off the top of my head. Um, but most of all, the most recent champion from... Uh... The Emperor. Yes. Probably exactly what I'm going to pair her with first. Irelia plus Azir. To together, they seem incredibly easy to level up. Mm. Together they seem incredibly really easy. Yeah, because she levels up from the wings as well. She doesn't need to see 12 allies attack. When you're in Shurima, you get Azir himself and uh, Emperor's Deus just to make those extra sand soldiers. Which is a similar mechanic that, yes, you'll go through with it. And if you have any of the blade dance effects with uh, the Emperor out, you make the blades and the sand soldiers, which is going to contribute to both of their level ups. Yeah, so they level up really quickly so let's assume you've leveled both of them what would you do with both of them in the same deck if they're leveled uh you 
just go face and probably pack a couple of elusives and some stuff with overwhelm or some fairly weak guys so that you can take advantage of the card that Irelia generates when allies attack Blade Surge. Zero mana swap her with something with something else so that you can get something weak that was wasn't blocked out of the way and get her or some massive beta in to be able to connect to face. Also probably play her with a Green Glade Duo, the the elusive that gets plus one power whenever you summon a guy. The two mana. Yeah. And then lastly you play Field Musicians, the card that the Ionia epic that came out last set that says whenever you summon three guys Refill your spell mana and draw a card. Ooh, oh, that could be cool, yeah. That'd be really cool. That that deck was something I toyed with towards the middle of the season with uh, Azir and Zed, and it felt powerful, but it was missing just a few cards, and I feel like we have just been given those cards. Yeah, that needs some serious testing. Yeah, it's something I'm probably going to test after uh, Malphite Yasuo, but I'm reasonably sure I have enough shards and wild cards to be able to craft the entire set on day of release, so I will probably just tweak some stuff here and there. Nice, okay. There are some other somewhat under-the-radar Ionia cards that I think could be particularly powerful. The Coastal Defender, that's probably one of the big beaters. You can swap with the the Syncopation and uh, the Irelia skill so that you can get this guy in because his power grows so consistently. Well, it's just some of the other elusives. But I want to talk about a real sleeper that that's a card that secretly everybody knows is busted. Yeah. The adorable goo bird of the dancing droplet. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you read it and it uh. reads so splashy, like one mana attune elusive. So it's effectively free because you're turning a unit mana into a spell mana with elusive. Another great elusive you can swap with those swap effects to get let Irelia get in. And just a quick thing, I love they put so many swap effects into Ionia now, because before this there was only one swap effect, Stand United, where you swap two guys and give them both barriers for six mana, but nobody played outside of Shen decks. The fact that they are reasonable and good and burst and cheap is crazy to me. Yeah, it's, it's quite powerful. It is quite powerful, because you can get some really sneaky, sudden lethals with this, because they chump block some massive guy and let the blades and the little guys go through, swap, Suddenly, the massive guy is going to punch through unblocked. Honestly, I feel like that's, it's a very powerful effect that I'm very excited to toy with. But circling back to Dancing Droplet, the little goo bird, the 1 1 for 1, I really think this card gets busted for some insane combo potential with two different Ionia cards. Okay. First one is one that I know you know very well from your Teemo playing days, and that's Retreat Return. Yeah, two mana, yeah. two mana bouncer guy, one mana, put per uh, three cost guy from your hand into play. Yeah. So hypothetically, okay. with this guy and retreat return, you can have your Irelias or your Zeds or your Azirs out by turn two. <laughs> nice. Turn two with burst without passing priority, so you can just like bounce the little goo bird, play out your Irelia swing. Yeah, interesting. If you do it with Zed, it's even more crazy because you're going to be playing because Zed will attack and then generate his shadow. The card that I'm much more interested in breaking it with is the criminally underplayed, but I agree, very tricky card to play, Monastery of Harana, the Ionia landmark that makes you a one-mana bounce an ally every turn. Mm. 
Because you play Monastery of Harana. Next turn, you make your Sanctuary. One mana, bounce a guy at focus speed. Bounce. Bouncing droplet. Replay drop, uh, bounce dro droplet. Draw a card. You play droplet. Get that mana back. And you've got the elusive again whilst still keeping priority. You can really churn through your deck so quickly with it and generate a huge spell count. Yeah, no, that sounds much more my more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is way more interesting. You, you create a feedback loop of value. You do two things. When you pair Droplet and Monastery Hirana with Bilgewater, you can level up Twisted Fate in not in nearly not broken speeds, because he was leveled up in broken speeds before. But you level him up at a reasonable speed now. That's the first yeah. thing. The second thing is you make your Wiggly Burble Fish free very quickly while still keeping yourself up in cards. Okay. And most importantly, you make your mind melds massive. Of course. <laughs> I've seen versions of this ages ago, back before Twisted Fate Fizz was the most broken deck in the universe. I've seen versions of this where it is Bilgewater Ionia, looping spells at high speed, playing a bunch of elusives like your Purple Fish's App Spray Fin, your Shadow Assassin, and getting value with Monastery of Hirana and Attune stuff. And then you play a massive mind well to make your elusives like 10 plus power minimum. How great does that sound? <laughs> I want to build it. <laughs> I will find you the old Mogwai version. That's what I'm going to probably use as a skeleton to build off of. You just got to slap in three lots of this guy, some numbers of syncopation, and more nopifies, I think. But otherwise, I think the deck builds itself. Yeah, definitely. Very I'm cool. Gonna, I'm definitely going to be fiddling with. Which brings us to our last new champion, the one that I think is the most mm. flexible build around, Zillian the Time Wizard. Just such a good title, Time Wizard. Yeah, he's got this uh, aesthetic that he is both an, a powerful archmage who makes Teferi from magic look like a little bitch, but he's also like your grandpa who keeps forgetting things. <laughs> okay, that makes sense, and he's quite cool. Yeah, that, that, that makes me love him even more. And apparently he's one of the original characters from when League started in 2009. He's oh, always been yeah. I think is. Great that they've been able to put an effort into making him uh, hard so so quickly. But yes, I am very excited to tinker with this guy because I have no idea what to do. Just glancing at him, he seems like a very blue card, which you could do a lot with, but you have to plan your moves. Yeah, he's very skill intensive. He is very skill intensive because he needs to stay on board to see you blow up the time bombs. But mm -hmm. once you do that, is an insane card range. Create a fleeting copy of each non-fleeting card you uh, he saw you play last round. So you just like storm out with a bunch of like cheap spells and cheap units. They trade off in combat, or the landmarks get blown up, what have you. Next round, you get all those cards again on top of the one card you draw a turn, because he's going through the pass and getting back uh, greatest hits, long gone. He's an insane value engine and an insane card draw engine. Is there a way to get more time bombs? Technically, yes. There are some fairly high variance ways to do it, but it can be done. In Shirima alone, oh, okay. there's the new card Imagine Possibilities where you create a random landmark with Countdown in hand. It's not great odds, but there are possibilities to pull time bombs with this. The instant centuries uh, that you get off of the clock hand, this giant 
uh, clock robot elemental thing, which just looks cool as hell. Uh, that also can potentially randomly draw you uh, more time bombs, but then again, that's still quite high variance. I would say the best way to do it is if you pair him with Piltover so that you play counterfeit copies. Oh, all right, okay, yeah. You'd potentially mm-hmm. do it with um, Tilly or Stone Shaping, but I think the most effective way to do it is just to wait until you have a time bomb in hand, play counterfeit copies to shuffle four more into your deck. Yeah, that seems like the best way, yeah. Because going doing the rounds right now is a fairly mean predict tribal deck with Kahiri the Returned, who I who I am I call Teferi because he is very obviously a Teferi clone or a Teferi analog. And <laughs> it plays counterfeit copies to create more Kahiris in your deck because having access to like six mana twelve twelves with fearsome is pretty good. It's a tricky one, but I feel like if you're able to find ways to copy the time bombs, or if you're able to say bounce Zillion and then play him back out again, he'll create more time bombs in deck and predict. Which is probably a good way to pair him with Ionia so that you have access to some good control elements. Yeah. I'm not particularly insane about all the advancing the landmarks cards, but I guess it's a thing. I find that very surprising for one name that I know you love. Okay. Lysandra. <laughs> oh. You play Lysandra yeah. and play all of the Frozen Thralls in deck. You have so many ways to turbocharge all of your landmarks there. You can make Lysandra an interesting control deck instead of just that one watcher combo. Isn't it just landmarks on the field, though? Or is it landmarks across all of your deck? No, it's landmarks in, landmarks in play. Landmarks on the field. Yeah, I don't know. It seems a bit slow, isn't it? But there you go. It is, but you're also playing Reliord Control, which has access to Avalanche, Risquake, Frostbites, mm. and healing in the form of Catalyst. And to be perfectly honest, I'm just happy to see a one mana burst speed predict in Scrying Sands. If it was one mana burst predict, I'd already love it, but the fact that it shrinks an attacker. <laughs> Uh, I just want to just like have a moment of silence for Callista. Once a very powerful Shadow Isles champion has now been pushed out of the universe by power creep because Merciless Hunter, a 4-3 for 3 with Fist and that gives a guy vulnerable. What? <laughs> Tiny violins. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Madpup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and battle me, nuts. I definitely do not fuck 
Beth. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents... Mad Love. The Harley Quinn Cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion podcast network. Hi, my name's Steve. And I'm here to tell you all about the DC Comics News Podcast. Every week, my friends and I sit down and discuss everything DC. Movies, TV and streaming, comic books, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. (laughs) No, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Whatever the case, you can find the DC Comics News Podcast on every podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere else you find podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. So with all of the big regions covered, we have one, but mostly two cards to each other region. Where do you want to visit? Let's go in order. Yeah. (laughs) Alrighty. We're starting at the coast with the pirates. Uh, The flavor behind these cards is quite interesting, but we'll talk about that in a minute. We've got two very good kill spells from Bilgewater. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Me slowly loading it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Just trying to like, wait, load them on your screen or load them in your brain? Oh, in my brain. Yeah, no. Internet speed is fine. It's been a long day for both of us. It's all good. Yeah. Monster Harpoon seems better to me in a weird way. The, the downside on Bone Skewer is quite costly, I can't deny. So yeah, I can see it. And also having just another effect with Plunder is just generally good for your uh, Gangplank Sejuani decks. 
also to be able to have it just as a spell that deals damage reopens the possibility of playing Swaying Gangplank, which is a fun uh, control deck. It really is. I suppose Bone Skewer would be for those ETV decks. I think the best use I've heard for this card is to play it in deep. Play this so that your Dreadbrim Wanderer gets one of their guys, gains you three life, so that you can play it again next turn to toss three more cards. Or you play it with uh, Lofi, Devourer of the Depths, so that he goes to the top of the deck, comes back down again for him to eat something else. Or you play it with Shipwreck Order, so he bounces something, then comes back down to make you more treasures. Yeah, I was thinking the treasures, yeah. In all, I think Monster Harpoon could possibly be like something that sees two of play in like a Gangplank Swain controlly deck, which is something I'm very interested in trying out because Swain Bilge Ward control was, all, was a personal favourite of mine with Twisted Fate. But uh, the Plunder synergy is still quite good with Gangplank. It's, an, it's important to note that both of these have a really interesting flavour that foreshadows the coming Bilge Water champion. We're going to be seeing Pike who is a sea monster hunter and general vigilante who brings peace to the streets of Bilgewater. Oh, nice. But now we go to the land of the free and the home of the Chads, Demacia. Two very powerful ladies here. Ah, Cythria. <laughs> oh, Cythria, you absolute meme. Are you good? I want you to be. Will you be good? Unfortunately, probably not. No, it's, it would be a meme to chuck her in a deck with Freljord just to make really, really obnoxiously beefy guys, but it wouldn't be a good deck. That's not even kind of what I was thinking of, but okay. Um, <laughs> I just love the flavour that she can trade with Aurelion Soul. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh man, but still, the, 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 the effect reads so splashy. And if you have any way to reduce her cost, then she gets good. But hot damn, be able to redouble Valor and grant Challenger to your whole team for 10 mana is amazing. But you tap out for her, and then they ruination, and then you cry. Also, I feel like they need to combine her three cards just so they all say level up. <laughs> well, to be honest, like Scythria was like a side character in the story before Legends of Runeterra. Now I feel like they're gearing up to making her into a champion. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. We can still agree, though, that Six Mana Cythria is still the, probably the best Cythria. But if we want to talk about good elites, Ardent Tracker is legit. Yeah, solid addition to the elite deck right, right there. Yeah, because the elite deck played uh, four Mana Cythria. The uh, elite, uh, the Vanguard Squire, which is a four Mana 3 3 that gets cheaper for every other elite you play. Most of the time, you play her as a zero or even a one Mana 3 3 in the dedicated elite deck. So this one. Can definitely come down ahead of curve with Scout, which just makes it very playable. Very interesting in this for elites. Scout seems kind of a weird thing to slap on an elite card, I guess, but I don't know. Yeah, it seems good. It's a decent keyword. I feel like for Demacia, it'd either be that or tough, and honestly, I think Scout's better because it's a stronger keyword. Mm-hmm. It's a more offensive keyword, and it's an, it's another card that makes. The Scout's deck, Misfortune Quinn, potentially good, assuming they were going back to, like, Demacia Tribal Splashing Builds Water literally just for Misfortune. It's also good in the dedicated elite decks with um, Jarvan and Garen. And it's not the only elite with Scout. The classic ranger, the the Green Glade Tracker, the, the Green Fang Tracker, the guy with Scout and Barrier, he's an elite as well. 
And now we come to the frozen north, your favorite place to be, and they've given us two control cards. Yay! Well, what do you know? <laughs> well, with the new cards coming, they've made a couple of balance changes to Atrocity and to Blighted Caretaker. They've made Blighted Caretaker a 1-1 that summons two saplings. And they've made Atrocity 7 mana instead of 6 mana. Are these good enough nerfs to nerf uh, Thresh Nasus? No, I personally don't think so. But even if they are, that means that Lissandra Trundle goes back to being the strongest, most obnoxious combo in the universe. And these two cards, probably one of them definitely gets considered for that deck. The other one's kind of slow, but still pretty interesting. What do you make of these control cards? Yeah, the Succumb to the Cold seems pretty good, I've got to say. All mana to Frostbite Guy and then make the landmark that will eventually turn into the 8-8 with Overwhelm is pretty good. And it's something that I would like to see as a tempo play in... Lissandra, if they are going to pair Lissandra with Shurima and things that can speed up countdowns. But for that, I can see it. It's just quite a lot of value on one card, really. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a Frostbite that also makes you a card that can potentially do some stuff in the late game. The very worst, if you play it in the Shurima Reliant Control decks, you can just turn that uh, Frozen Thrall into a Rock Bear with, with Desert Nationalist. I very much like But the Buried in Ice is a card that people are really sleeping on, but I can assure you that it works really good because of it at stairs. I've got to say, I misread this. I thought it said the bliss rate and enemy. It says each enemy. Yes. So it's a, one, it's a one-sided board wipe that turns all of their guys into the landmarks that you get after you play them in Tomb. So it's just countdown to they come back as they were. That's fine. It's still a great tempo play if you want to get in with some of your Frozen Thralls or your Watchers or your giant Shadow Isles ghosts, what have you. I'm more interested in being able to play this on their attack turn to fog their attack. It comes back around to your turn and you play it that stares to obliterate all landmarks. Seems greedy, but I agree with the first step of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, if it does the first step, then it's strong enough. Nine mana, sure, Ruination is probably a better Wrath. But this is still a wrath worth considering. Uh, rules question. When you play a creature, can you have it replace a landmark? Yes. Ah, okay. That's but then they're killing their own creature. So. Killing their weakest guy, but then again, if you've obliterated six things, there are five landmarks and one blocker against your Lissandra and your Frozen Thralls and your Shadow Isles gross things and your Washer. So that one dude is just going to be staring down the legions. So it still works out in your favour, much like the effect that Malphite does, Malphite stuns. Yeah, that card seems really good. Yeah, I have a lot of hopes for it, seeing maybe one of play in Lissandra-based control decks, especially if they can play it with it for stairs. Now we come to the Conquerors of the East, the Expansionist Empire of Noxus. They've given us some tools and some fun bits for reputation. Uh, a moment of silence for animal cruelty and, and animal slavery for the Thrashing Snapper, because we saw it as a 3-mana 5-2 or a 2-5, just looking really cute, and then we see it caged up going to the Noxian Arena just to be a, a lion for the Gladiators. Or Snapper. Or Snapper. But in any case, most of the time it's a 1-mana uh, 5-1, because most of the time in aggro they're not going to want to block into this. Yeah, yeah, it seems like a very Noxus thing to I can very much see it being incorporated into burn decks because this is another like low-cost guy that you're never going to want to trade into. And if you do trade into it, it can trade up the curve so heavily 
and it goes towards reputation because it'll attack it'll uh deal damage as a five pack guy. Made fair by the fact that it can get taken out by a lot of the friendly or pings and by vile feast, but still it's a threat that you need to be wary of. Up there with Legion Saboteur and Precious Pet as the scary Noxus one drops. Being able to trigger reputation is particularly effective for uh, who I'm going to affectionately call the Colonel, because goddamn that moustache isn't resplendent. <laughs> it's pretty good. It is pretty good. As is his effect, uh, an 8 mana 4 5 that rallies is not good. A uh, 6 mana 4 5 that rallies is. It seems okay. Doesn't seem groundbreaking, though. It would be groundbreaking if he had a keyword, I agree. If he had, like, Overwhelm or Fearsome or something. And I can see him having Fearsome <laughs> with those shoulder pads. But still having access to Rally in Noxus is something that they're starting to give more and more to, which I'm a little bit wary of. Because before this, it was just Katarina, who was a very fiddly champion that not a lot of people played. It was Shampoo, I mean Shunpo, which is a very weak burn spell that only fringe decks played. And Apprehend, which is only playable if you pair it with Darius. So yeah, having a roughly below rate but still playable body that rallies is quite strong. Dragon God, look out, sees fringe play in some of the Dragon decks, not as much as it used to. I can see this being considered in the severe LeBlanc reputation reputation centric deck, and in some uh, Legion Marauders builds. I'd love to see him have a conversation with Bron. My friend, what wax do you use? Uh, some of the finest moustaches in all of Ontario. <laughs> uh, so we go from the Colonel to a card that's affectionately been nicknamed McDonald's in Piltover and Zorn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love the community. Because yeah. it looks like the holder that you get the fries in, man. The Adaptatron 3000. You get why it looks like that. It's meant to be Heimerding his wild hair because that's exactly what you pair it with. Oh, he. There's things he summon a, a tech, aren't they? Exactly, yeah. Whenever uh. whenever you make a robot off of Heimerdinger or you make a robot off of Surge of Production, the, the thermo beam that makes robots, this guy gets all of their keywords. I want to like it, but I don't. I, I really don't, if I'm honest. I agree completely. Do you know what's letting it down? No. One power. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One power. Meant to be good. It buffs itself with all of the keywords it's just borrowing from all of the other robots you're making. That's really cool. That's a great effect. I don't want to swing in with 1-3 with Fearsome or 1-3 with Quick Attack. That's not going to do anything. You need ways to buff its power. I feel like... It needs to be higher up the curve just for its own benefit. Blocks aggro very well at one mana, but requires a lot of work to be as scary as the rest of the robots you're going to make. And the Heimerdinger's power comes in the fact that you are going wide with all of those robots. It's an interesting card that I'm sure I'll absolutely get dumpstered with by some like galactic brain combo player first day of the season, but right now it's not below Muscada. Okay, what is this other thing? Looks like Alvin and the Chipmunks or something with Elusive. <laughs> wow, we've just nicknamed this card. That's perfect. This is another card that you're going to want to pair with counterfeit copies so that you get more of the sump workers in your deck that eventually turn into the sump work passes. But honestly, I quite like this card for burn decks, for the Piltover Noxus burn decks. Yeah, that's, that's quite a nice sort of 
Doing one damage to enemies and the Nexus, elusive, and a 4-2. Yeah, that's quite a nice all-round, isn't it? Yep, because you're going to feel bad Mystic Shossing it, but you're going to have to because it's a 4-power elusive for 2-mana. That also deals a bunch of extra damage. Mm. It just depends on whether or not you want to play it in the dedicated burn decks that just plays this as another good pinger alongside uh, Boom Crew Rookie and Legion Saboteur, or... Like me, you want to play it in a more meme deck where you can actually make copies of this guy with counterfeit copies, uh, parade electro rig, and just turbocharge the one damage trigger with Funsmith. Let's be honest, though, it's not actually a two cost, it's a four cost, isn't it? No, this dude's a two cost. Yeah, but you have to summon another one for it to actually transform, and the other one doesn't stick, well, this one doesn't stick around. Yeah, so it's it a four is. cost, really. It is an investment. So it's not something you're going to go all in with in the deck, and that's fine. You once taught me that good deck building comes in you not committing to one strategy. Yeah, very true. Yeah. yeah. That's why I think it will probably find its home just as another aggressively statted pinger in the burn decks. If it can transform it, it's great. If not, it's just an elusive. Yeah, okay. We're going to wrap up with the Lonely Shadow Isles card. Oh, the one Shadow Isles. Well, to be perfectly honest, I'm okay with this because in terms of how it reads, this is just going to be another thing that buffs Thresh Nessus, and I'm okay with the fewer things that buffs Thresh Nessus, the better. This is really weird. What the hell is this? You've seen the full card, right, where it's just like you see the oh, version yeah. is a zero, one of the version is the 3-3. Three, three. Yeah. Um, when you play it, you get both options. So you either get two lots of sacrifice fodder for your Blighted Caretakers, your Ravenous Butchers, your Spirit Leeches, or you just mm. have copies 4, 5, and 6 of Ravenous Butcher for one extra mana and one extra point of attack. Yeah, first wave seems better if, if it's in the right sort of deck. Something that can really dedicate to sacrificing things. Yeah. See that? I think, honestly, first wave on its own, if you're able to like play it as the little guy and the prey, that honestly makes the crocodile really playable. Oh yeah, didn't even think of that. Yeah, because the crocodile is such a like splashy effect, but for for four mana seven seven, still something to sneeze at. But kill two allies is the downside that has just kept it out of playability. And then again, that also means that you get two slayers towards your Nasus level. That's it. Yeah, fresh Nasus. I think will at least try this card. If it plays the crocodile, I'm uncertain. But I feel like it's something to consider, and at the very least, you're just getting a one mana three three, which is still way above rate. Yeah, I'd say heavy sack decks will love this card. So yeah. yeah All that said, we have covered just about everything. I didn't forget one randomly like I did last time. Not like I can see. No, we've been comprehensive. Boom. The cards do all look very spicy. What? Think you will tinker with once the time has been kind of enough to let you get back into the Terror. My heart is still with Freyliord, just wanting to tweak around with that lot. Um, I really want to play Cythria, but that mana cost, man. Ugh. You have if you play her with Freyliord, you actually get access to Revitalizing Rule, which means you gain ten life and she goes to zero mana once you're enlightened. Yeah. That's the only way I can see her being like close to good. But then again, when you're doing that one, I'll just play Aurelion's off. Yeah, there's just a lot quicker ways to win, really, than her. But there you go. <laughs> she just reads so splashy. And honestly, I think she'll be great in Singleton Gauntlets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But 
Only the time will tell. And I'm sure that you fellow listeners can catch the both of us tinkering with many of these cards on our channel, The Hostile Atmosphere. Absolutely. <laughs> Till such time, we are going to sign off. Thank you for listening. As I said, you can catch Will and I playing card games abound on The Hostile Atmosphere. Will's also dabbling with wonderful things in Valheim and various pirate-flavoured things that should be coming to the channel very soon. I will promise you that. Isn't that right, sir? Oh, yes. That'd be good. <laughs> and Will on the hostile takeover. Rate us, review us, share us around so that everyone knows what this deal will be with the Guardians of the Ancient Expansion. Outside the line, all standing, waiting Heroes, villains, angels, satans Oh my goodness gracious Worth it to see the hotel star's faces We made it, the date is eventually here End of the convention, here's three cheers! Laughing stories, panels, stalls, stands, skits Professor Elemental's on about six Of course at every con there's a couple of dicks That's not real steam Shut up, yes it is Every other person makes it better Every volunteer all holds it together Yes! You finally found your tribe Yes! Every type all here inside We're all equal, we're all worthy I don't know why they all have a go at furries If you want to dress up as a giant rabbit And have relations with a man squirrel That is none of my business the game.